Building a video editing career is pretty tough. And if you're trying to build one from scratch, or if you're trying to take your editing career to the next step, then some of the challenges that you're facing right now can feel really daunting and kind of overbearing. I've been through those. I know exactly how you're feeling and um, it gets better, trust me. And so I wanted to share with you some of the challenges that we all face as video editors trying to make our way in this industry uh, and also how you can overcome those. So, all right, so let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Video Editing Podcast from Unsplice with your host, Shiny. Hello, I am the founder and lead trainer at Unsplice, and I have been cutting professionally for 15 years in London on documentaries, commercials, branded content, music videos, all the good stuff. And um, so what we're sharing today, you and I, uh, it comes from it comes from a place of experience, it comes from my knowledge, it comes from a place of sympathy as well, because um, when I was going through that period, um, trying to build my way up there, I didn't really have anybody to to come to, to lean on, to give guidance on these things in our industry. It was very much down to who you knew within the industry, who you were working with or close with, and pulling them to one side to ask them questions. So hopefully this will help you if you are in this position because uh, most of us are working remotely and we don't have that opportunity anymore to sort of grab someone close to ask them a question. So uh, I'm gonna list, well, I'm gonna list these out, but I'm gonna go through some of the things one by one. And um, one of the first things that comes to mind is the high competition in the industry because as we've seen the cost of computer equipment come down over the years and the rise of YouTube go up, the competition, there's, there's so many more video editors or people that want to be video editors than, than ever before. Um, so this does mean that you will have some competition and you will need to stand out. It doesn't mean that there aren't enough jobs because I speak to clients all the time who are desperate for good editors. And I'm underscoring good or brilliant editors, people who are better than the norm, who stand out. And that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be super incredible, incredibly skilled editors, but they're trustworthy and they get stuff done and they are good storytellers. So that is one thing you really should be taking into consideration. Uh, the better you are at storytelling and the better you are at client relations, keeping the client happy, then the more work you'll get. It's kind of it's kind of simple, really. Client relations, workflow, and storytelling. Those are the three pillars of an in-demand editor. And it used to be the case that you had to have a, a massive machine, you know, a big standalone computer with a monitor 
um, that was highly modifiable and, and most editors would have to modify it to meet their needs. But now we have laptops that will do the same thing. I have a laptop, really easy, small to carry around, great, but it is still an investment. It's still, you know, one and a half thousand or, or whatever you want to spend on a laptop, um, which is not a small amount of money when you are just starting out. So I do appreciate that. Um, and of course, the cost of software. And if you are thinking of using Premiere, Premiere is the industry standard within the commercial documentary um, branded content world. Uh, if you go into broadcast for documentaries, then they are using Avid, but um, predominantly Premiere. And I can understand that that is prohibitively expensive. A lot of people paying $50 a month. There are, you can get a free month trial, uh, but there are ways to get your Premiere Pro subscription down. If you cancel it, um, they give you a nice offer at the end. So um, that is a way to get the cost down a bit. And you don't have to have the latest laptop. You can get one that's a few years old, as long as you work with proxies. So practice your technical workflow, transcode everything that, to proxies, and you can get away with a very cheap and affordable laptop. So don't see these as barriers if you are struggling and you're comprehending this and thinking, I'd love to do that, but I just can't afford it. Uh, it this, the cost has really gone down now. And if you're looking for a free video editor, then of course you can use DaVinci Resolve, which so many people do. It's a very capable editor. As you start working with bigger clients, you have to keep in mind that it's the client that dictates the software you use because they might want to use your project or you to share the project in the future, or you might need to work with other editors. So several of you working together on one project. So you'll all need to be using the same software for obvious reasons. Um, so when it comes to that point in your career, it is most definitely worth switching. Um, don't be, you know, don't hold on to your software choice like a, um, you know, like a scared puppy. And it's just a piece of software. Don't get emotionally attached to it, uh, which so many people do. In fact, every editor I speak to gets emotionally attached to, to uh, software. Don't, it's just software. One day one will be in flavor, another day another one will be. Just use whichever one is the, you know, in flavor at the time, at, the t at this moment it's Premiere. Who knows, what's that, who knows what that is gonna be in five years, um, but worth keeping up with current trends. Okay, um, and speaking of trends, there are trends within editing itself in terms of stylistic, stylistically. YouTube has kind of brought jump cuts to the fore and also TikTok and social media has brought all these crazy camera transitions into, into flavor, into fashion. Um, they, they are trends, they come and they go, uh, it is worth Keeping that in mind as you use these and as you learn these, don't think that those trends are editing, you know, in terms of editing at its core, um, they're just fashion. They, their taste, they will come and they will go. Um, if you look at the different style of editing in movies from the 50s 
to now everything's got a lot of faster cuts closer cameras you know it's, it's a completely different style of filmmaking the same with editing so was keeping that in mind um, the editing uh, process itself can be quite long in terms of receive the footage um, and then executing it delivering it and um, sometimes that comes with its own challenges in terms of the scale of the data, how you handle all those assets, uh, where are you keeping them, how are you backing up your workflow, um, and uh, in terms of um, dealing with the project over an, ext an extended period, um, making sure you hit deadlines, obviously incredibly incredibly important um, and so think about your workflow really try and nail your workflow and you will find this a lot easier to handle and also your creative workflow so technical workflow in terms of asset handling uh, and things like this and your creative workflow in terms of how you are actually building out an edit um, using string outs and things like this, that will keep your mind sane and keep you on target to hit those deadlines. <clears throat> and one of the hardest things I think we can all agree about video editing is finding reliable clients. So when you are starting out, a lot of the clients that you're working with will have will be highly demanding and they will pay low amounts. Not the best start, but you do grow past that. It is a short period, I say short, you know, two years maybe, um, or less if you are really on it. So if you wanna get past that in less than six months, then it really is about finding the jobs and working and, and I, I hate that clients will post jobs that are super, super cheap. They're meant for overseas editors, um, but editors who are not overseas will take them just because they need the experience so that those prices go up. I don't hate that specifically, but I, I do hate how the industry has undervalued editing. Um, and it is because people will just take any jobs and work for pennies. Um, and so people know that they can get editing done for pennies, and so they will do that. Uh, is there a way around that? Well, not really, no, um, unless everybody stops taking those jobs. Um, but it is good for your portfolio to take on jobs if you do it cheaply. It is good to take on jobs that align specifically with the kind of things that you enjoy. So if you enjoy outdoor travel, cut edits specifically for outdoor travel. And as you build your portfolio based around that, and you've niched down in your portfolio, all the things in your portfolio relate to that, then you will find um, that the clients, you can use, you can use this as a springboard to find clients specifically in that niche. Whereas if you will just take everything that comes your way, sure, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. 
um, then you will actually find it takes longer to get to a place where you want to be. But you might find that you get paid more um, in the end. But if you niche down, then you can use that as a springboard because the person who is giving you the low paid work, they know somebody and do great work for them. They'll recommend you or you actually need to ask for a recommendation. This is incredibly important. Ask for a recommendation. And then the next person, you tell them a rate, you tell them double what you charged before. And then the next you get, you really impress them and then you get them to recommend you to someone else, put your rate up again. And, um, you can do that very quickly. And by starting in a niche, you can find people who are part of the community. So that if a client, if you do work for a client um, and the niche is small, then they will know somebody in that niche that they can recommend you to. Um, whereas if you're just kind of like doing generic stuff, anything that comes your way, uh, the chances of them knowing somebody else, the, the person that they know will probably be somebody else with the same budget in mind. Hope that seems clear. Um, and that is how you can find reliable clients because obviously the cheaper ones are not reliable. And so you want to work your way up to the higher pay clients as soon as possible. Um, if you are unsure of how to do that, then um, you, uh, you can find some training online. Um, there is some in, in Unspice Pro if you're interested and really you want to specifically target the people making the stuff that you want to make and you want to network sideways. So people, not the gatekeepers, the producers, the people with the money, you want to network sideways. You want to speak to the person who's doing the thing that you want to do. So editors or assistant editors, um, and that is, should be where your focus is. Okay. Um, one of the other things really challenging about breaking into our industry is the tight deadlines. We have spoken very briefly on this, but they are getting shorter and shorter, certainly for the, the longer form videos that I, um, that I've been cutting over the years. Schedules have gone from eight weeks for a documentary down to five or even four weeks. So literally half the time, which is, which is nuts. And of course, you know, the pay rate doesn't go up. Um, this is something that we are battling with as an industry. Um, and it's because of the speed of content, how much content needs to be made now or is being made and people feel it needs to be made. And, uh, and so it's all about higher turnover and if quality takes a hit because of that, most, pe most people don't care. They'll just much rather get it out. Um, and so uh, if you do find someone who offers a client that offers healthy deadlines, normal deadlines, and you don't feel panicked as you are cutting, hold on to those. Even if the, um, uh, the work isn't so enjoyable, hold on to the client, keep, keep them tight and um, keep in touch because you will find periods in your schedule um, as a professional where you are working on these crazy projects and you just need a break. You just need some, a project, whatever it is, even if it's mind numbing that just gives you, allows you to breathe. 
Uh, and that's one of the other things that we should talk about is this um, ebb and weave, these, um, it's never rains, but it pours um, of the workload. It's feast or famine sort of thing. And uh, that's to be expected with our industry, especially as a freelancer. Uh, you can prepare yourself for that by saving six months in an emergency expense account and um, by keeping your money in a separate account and only paying yourself X amount per month. So if you are working as a freelancer and you get, you know, 10,000 in the bank from one job, then you want to keep that separate to your everyday banking account because you only want what you are spending for that month in the account. Otherwise, you know, you'll just rip through it all. So there is definitely an element of financial responsibility if you are going to work as a freelancer. Um, and so looking after your own finances is one of the tougher things, but shouldn't put you off because you get to charge more. You get to work less. I work about six months of the year and um, out of choice. And I work from home all the time and I've built the life that I want. So you do get a lot of freedom from that. You just have to be savvy. And one of the things that can be difficult as you move through the ranks of editing is they say finding your style um, of editing. I think you should ignore that. I don't think you should try and find a style. Um, you won't have a style until you just try everything. So if that is a quest of yours or you feel like that's something that you need to develop, stop. You don't. You just edit. And um, the more you edit, the more different styles of things you edit, music videos, music documentaries, um, investigative documentaries, uh, news, mm, what else? Um, commercials, social content, YouTube videos, gaming videos. Do it all. Try it all. Because you'll realize that certain elements from certain styles of editing, certain styles, genres, will feed really, really nicely into others. I, in my early days, cut lots of trailers. Trailers for documentaries, mostly, um, but trailers for social media. And so they were short, they were punchy, high energy, and that really... Um, along with my experience cutting music videos and music video documentaries, um, has really shaped how I come into all of my edits. And if there's a moment that I feel could really do with a high energy montage, then all of that experience comes in and I can just deliver on that, create a montage that works perfectly with that edit, even if it's a slow paced, um, you know, romantic documentary or something of that, along that lines, commercial, you will find these moments where you go, oh yeah, I could do that and it'll come through. So try your hand at all, all different types of editing and um, just, just do it. And those things will come through in the future. So, one of the main things most people come to me, one of the first biggest fears that most people have is that they don't have a portfolio or they're trying to build a portfolio. And uh, that is not as important as you think it is. 
because if you were going to put yourself forward for work, they will ask to see some of your work. So what do you send them? Of course you think you need to send them a portfolio. They want to see more portfolio. But what if you just send them a link? Hi, I cut this. I edited this. Send them one link, two links. If it's hyper relevant to what they are asking for, that's enough. All they want to know is what level of skill you're on. If you send a portfolio, they're not looking at the whole thing. They're going to watch one or maybe two videos. So just create one really good edit based on the kind of something that you love. Using the, the example earlier, um, we can talk about adventure travel. Let's say you, 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 you have a passion for it. <clears throat> Doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you want to specialize in. Try it, see if you like it. Um, but if you create one, you could even shoot it yourself or uh, use footage from a friend, cut it really well, and then put yourself forward for to cut something that's similar to that. Do you have any experience? Here, I cut this. That is enough. You don't need six videos. Start with one, because all it is, is an, it's a showcase of what you are capable of. Here is what I'm capable of. This, this video, I made it, it's three minutes long. Um, uh, enjoy. So don't put too much emphasis on the portfolio. Um, it really is just about putting one thing out there, take it step by step. Stop procrastinating and thinking that you need a huge portfolio. You don't, you just need to be targeted with what you cut and how you and who you present that to. Now, I know that most people feel, certainly I did and even still do, feel a bit daunted by networking and um, they see this as a barrier and something that will, that they can't have a career until they have They've got this or they feel too shy or am I even going to be successful if I can't do this? You will. Yeah, you will. You don't have to throw yourself in the lion's den and go to film festivals and rub shoulders with people and schmooze. Um, we are editors. We are an introverted bunch. Uh, most of us hate the idea of that. So I don't feel like that is completely necessary. Uh, you can build your network through, through purely through email reaching out on LinkedIn, but my favorite is just recommendations. So one client, that's where it starts. Just getting one client, getting them to recommend you, asking them, please recommend me. Hound them until they recommend you to someone else. And now you have two. Ask them to recommend you, and now you have three. And if you do another job for the first client, ask for another recommendation. Okay, and now you can, you know, get loads more, more recommendations. That is the simplest way of networking, all right? And it just starts with one job. That's all you need. Don't focus on the macro, the overwhelming, just focus on one thing, one job. And you can do that, like I said earlier, by building an edit, sharing it with someone specific, 
sharing it that's specific to that person and who, how something that they will appreciate create something for them, one recommendation, and so on. Now, of course, if that person comes back with feedback, sometimes handling feedback can be one of the hardest parts of our job. Unfortunately, you're going to have to leave your ego at the door. Um, sure, you might be taking feedback from somebody who is not creative and they have hired you to do a creative job. However, they're paying your bills. And if you want more work and you want that recommendation, you've got to keep them happy first and foremost. So you get feedback you don't like, you create one version for the way that the client wants to do it and you create another version which is how you think it should be done and you show them both. So this is turning into like a uh, everything you should know before you begin um, sort of uh, podcast episode. But uh, that is how to handle feedback that you do not agree with and you should always handle it positively and thank them for the feedback. At the end of the day, it is learning. Every single piece of feedback, whether you agree with it or not, you are learning from it. So frame it like that and think about it like that. And uh, one of the hardest things is tech issues as well. But um, that can be completely circumnavigated, pre prevented. Prevention is better than cure when it comes to technical issues. Um, my, the, the way that I would consider prevention, the best prevention is use a Mac because, uh, they don't tend to need as much, um, care, or technical knowledge to use and function. Um, and you also have the Apple store and the tech support there. If ever you need anything, you can just give them a call, boom, sort it. Um, and also, if you are going to be using Premiere, you know, everybody screams that Premiere is really buggy, uh, but it's no more buggy than any other editing software if you know how to use it correctly. And so if you don't know correct technical workflow, then um, head to the Unsplice blog and you will find there is a guide there for the 10 most common causes as to why Premiere Pro crashes. Go to the Unsplice website and you can search for it in the title bar. So you'll, you'll get the top 10 reasons why Premiere Pro crashes, how to fix it because you're using it wrong. And I say that with love because you're not practicing correct technical workflow. Um, that is one of the core parts of the curriculum, of the workflow curriculum in Unspice Pro, because it's so incredibly important. It is the foundation of every edit. And if your edit keeps crashing, regardless of the software you are using, or if it's slow or laggy, or you have a delay when you hit the play button, these are all technical workflow issues that can be solved. And I bet if you are experiencing any of these, the number one thing is that you are editing with MP4s. So don't do that. That's bad. Sharpen your knowledge on workflow. And one of the main things 
which has come up a lot recently, is the healthy work-life balance. Um, because we can be expected to work long hours as editors. Uh, 10 hours is not uncommon. And it sh you should go into the industry expecting this. However, I'm a strong believer that if you are firm, <clears throat> excuse me, if you are firm and you, you let the client know you're, when you're available and you're working hours, they will accept that and adopt that. And I think this, um, <clears throat> the long hours thing is a hangover from pre a previous generation of editors um, where this was necessary to get things out the door, to meet deadlines. But now we are in 2023, we are working, there is a shift towards a healthier work-life balance and your health is more important than the client's deadline. And if they can't plan a correct production pipeline based on a healthy human schedule, that is their problem and not yours. So I believe that we should be firm upfront from the very beginning and just say, I'm only available until six. Pick your time, whatever that is. And, um, and, and make a thing of it and, and just say, oh, sorry, I have to go. We'll pick this up in the morning. Um, when the more you do this, the more normalized it becomes, the more people will respect that. Um, but it only happens if we actually make the change. And of course, um, despite all of these things, a career in video editing can be very rewarding because you are creating. You, I think most of us, we like to, we like to tinker. We like to build, you know, go down to the minute details from creating something that's bigger. And um, uh, when you, in this job, when you complete something, you have got something to add to your catalog. This is your your life, the trail that your life leave, leaves behind. Even if it goes on social media and it's only up for a, you know, a few weeks, you've created something and that can live on your hard drive in your life portfolio um, forever. You know, you can look back and go, this is what I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And you've got a great catalog and you can see all the things that you've created through your life, uh, which is really, really nice to kind of have that legacy. Even if it's a legacy just to you and perhaps your loved ones, um, it's still a legacy. And I think it's, it's nice to feel like you've created something. So if you are suffering from any of these challenges, then don't try to fix all of them at the same time. Don't think, okay, I need to do all of these. We've spoken about a lot and you should think about one at a time. Concentrate on one at a time. Try and improve one area and uh, then move on to the next one. Otherwise, it becomes super overwhelming. You can bookmark this episode if you like and go back and listen to each bit depending on where you are in your career and how you can overcome that. Um, don't spend too long, I'm going to reiterate, don't spend too long on your portfolio. Don't feel like it's holding you back. Don't 
put the portfolio on a pedestal, okay? Um, because all you need is a job. Think about that. Get the job. One job. That's it. Just try and get that. Um, keep motivated and keep learning. Remember, you don't want to get stuck in the perpetual practice loop where you're practicing and practicing and practicing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Just like Einstein said, to practice the same thing or do the same thing again and again and expect a different result is the definition of insanity. So make sure you have a quality input that you can learn a lesson, practice that until you, it's in your memory and then learn a new lesson, practice that and make sure you've got a quality input so that you're learning from a quality source because if you're only using YouTube then you're only going to edit to a YouTube level. So make sure you have quality input source. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I would love it if you would rate this and if you're watching this on YouTube if you wouldn't subscribe that would be awesome and if you're listening to this podcast and you've taken some greatness from this episode then uh, please leave a review i would love that thank you so much for joining me and i will speak to you next week cheers bye, -bye.